I was working in the lab late one night when my eyes beheld an eerie sight. For my monster from his slab began to rise, and suddenly, to my surprise, he did the monster mash. Welcome to the 3D Mers Podcast, a podcast about remakes. I'm your host, Alex, and with me is my guest host, Marina. Hello. How are you doing today, Marina? I'm doing all right. Jacob is not with us for this episode, but that's okay, because this episode is all about Marina. Ooh. We're going to be talking about Vincent Price this month, as you know, and so Marina is going to go over her top five Vincent Price films, and I'm also going to share my top five Vincent Price films along with it, so that you guys have some ideas of some Vincent Price content that you should go out and take a look at. Yeah, I kind of went into this list going like, like if I only had one or two movies to show someone to sell them Vincent Price, this is what I would show them, essentially. <laughs> That's pretty reasonable. Yeah, because to be honest, some of my, some of my favorites of his movies are in our actual Vincent Price episodes, so this is kind of just the recommended list as far as I was able to to kind of put it together. I had a, more trouble with this list than I thought I would. I was like, oh, I shouldn't have a problem with this, and I start looking at it, and I'm like, oh man. There's like a lot, like I've seen like one time yeah. kind of thing, so like, like Mask of Red Death, I know I've seen mm-hmm. that, but I don't remember it too well, so I couldn't like put it on the list or whatever. Yeah. So this is, this is your, this is your show. <laughs> this is so. my show. <laughs> All about me and Vincent Price. But speaking of Mask of the Red Death, my first choice was actually the first movie I ever remember seeing of Vincent Price, pre-Burton Fever, as I put in my notes. <laughs> before The before times, before I thought Tim Burton was a super great director and did everything very well. I watched Tales of Terror, which is a 1962 movie that Vincent Price and I think Peter Lorre appears on a segment. It's a three-part anthology that are all based around Edgar Allan Poe so this is one I would suggest to someone who might not be super into watching like House of Usher or like you said Mask of the Red Death or The Raven like it's the longer movies that only do one story for the whole movie I have seen this as well it's pretty decent I remember this one yeah I do like for Vincent Price in particular I do like how many different roles he gets to do through this one because he's kind of like a uh, embittered old man in the in the first story and then he's this very friendly like wine connoisseur in the, in the second one and in the third one he's just an old guy who loves his wife <laughs> loves his wife even after death <laughs> so are you starting with your number one or are you starting with your number five tales of terror was my number one was my numero uno but all of these are very good <laughs> so then i will start with my number one then so my number one is the last man on earth yeah that's on my list too this was this was an interesting discovery for me i found this very late in life and it was after i had already seen like omega man and i am legend mm-hmm. and i had read the richard matheson story that this is based on and i'm a huge i am legend fan not one person has gotten this right like omega man is like incredibly over the top and, yeah you know i am legend is stupid as hell it's i don't even i think oh my am legend is more of a remake of omega man than it is i am legend mm-hmm. but last man on earth is exactly what i envisioned in my head when i read the original 
I Am Legend story. This movie is like a perfect retelling of that story. I can't think of a better version of it. Like Vincent Price was not who I would have necessarily picked for the role, Mm -hmm. but everything else is exactly the way I expected the story to go and flow. And he's such a good everyman. And at the end of the day, I really think this is one of his strongest roles. And it's always a challenge for like any kind of actor to have to act by themselves. Yeah, I was just about to say that his whole acting against essentially nothing for most of the movie, it's all him internal thought monologues and having to like express these very large reins of emotions just by himself in this house and I think the first time I saw it I did cry when the dog died because <laughs> he was so despondent and so like dejected from any hope of the situation at that point point. and that's a big part of the story in the book too so seeing how well he captured the character from the book and everything I really think that this is not only like one of his best roles but I think it's one of the best adaptations ever done of this story mm-hmm. and I-, I think like going back to the, the single being the only actor in the room thing. I think that's a really defining part. Like, you know, you get Tom Hanks. Tom Hanks mm-hmm. did that for, you know, Castaway and stuff like that. And those are big, you know, role-defining yeah. moves. It's a, I'm surprised he didn't get an award for it, honestly, mm-hmm. like, for the work that he did. Because it, it, it's a great... But I guess it's because it's horror. And, and it, horror definitely wasn't recognized well back then. He still got typecast because of where he sat in regards to the realm that he worked in and the time period that he worked in it. Definitely his best role. And uh, Jacob also wanted us to give a shout out that this is also his favorite. Oh, okay. Vincent Price yeah. film. This is, this is an easy favorite, yeah. But uh, this is on my list too. <laughs> so it is, it's pretty high up. And another thing, I think I read that George Romero said that this particular movie was part of the blueprint for what ended up becoming Night of the Living Dead was him kind of taking from this movie yeah i am legend is the basis for basically all modern zombie lore Mm -hmm. even though they're kind of vampires oh yeah that's true um, it is where it starts with all of that and romero was absolutely influenced by this a lot of major horror directors claim i am legend was a huge influence on the direction of where modern horror went and it's really important so that's why to see what was done with it with the will smith movie was like so disrespectful Mm -hmm. because it's just like this movie is so important and if you're gonna do it you have to like basically do it alex you're giving away all your feelings before the big last man on earth i am legend episode (laughs) of original three (laughs) demers you love will smith talking to mannequins yeah i'm glad we're not covering (laughs) we could have i think it was just a a toss-up between this and house of wax of like which worst remake did we want to talk about (laughs) house of wax is disrespectful we'll We'll get there What's your what's your number two then? I mentioned Tim Burton before, and of course this one was going to be on the list, but it's uh, 1990s Edward Scissorhands, which I think was the first movie where like uh, I saw Tales of Terror and I want to say House on Haunted Hill and a couple other Vincent Price movies before this, but this was the first one that I was like, oh, this is like the same guy and he's like a major actor from this movie. Because even though I'm pretty sure Edward Scissorhands is the only one I included where he gets like maybe like a little under 10 minutes of screen time total but his his role was written for him as the inventor because um tim burton wanted him working on that movie so bad and it was like his last movie that he like physically appeared on screen for yeah that's also on my, my <laughs> yeah <list. laughs> 
Yeah, it's a genuinely good story in general, but just the whole part, going back to Vincent Price's face acting that we talked about in The Last Man on Earth is like, he had to convey so much with so little given to him for the little flashback scenes between him and Edward. And and it's so weird because when you think about the butterfly effect of Tim Burton sending him the Vincent short he made, the um, claymation short, that led to him working in Edward Scissorhands, and then that like did the weird butterfly effect to Tim Burton doing a really bad Alice in Wonderland <laughs> live action movie. You're like, how did this all go oh so God. wrong? <laughs> my number two is The Fly. Oh, uh, yeah. I know that's our first episode that we covered this month on him, but I just really like The Fly, and it's like The Fly and The Last Man on Earth mm-hmm. are like the top to vincent price like films like when i think of him those are like my two like i definitely love him in those roles yeah so i'm super super happy to put it on the list regardless of the fact that we're covering it just because it's such a exceptional piece of filmmaking yeah and the fact that you kind of when we were talking about like original versus remake we all kind of came along the sides of like liking the remake better as a film in general the fact that like the fly is still included in like your top 10 vincent price list should be like don't be discouraged by us just picking the 80s one as the one we like like the best the the original is right. still very good yeah it's fantastic it's one of my favorite like classic you know uh 60s 50s horror b movie kind of pieces mm-hmm. it's really good all right so what is your number three? my number three it's theater of blood which i'm not sure if you've had a chance to see a lot of people honestly you can just stick the uh adominable dr fibes um in the same place theater of blood came out in 1973 and dr fibes was 1971 and their plots are pretty similar in guy wants revenge for reasons kills a very distinct set of people in very distinct ways <laughs> fails question mark and but theater of blood i like the best because i think one while i did like a lot of the visuals in the indomitable dr fives i like theater of blood's kills a little better because they're based off of shakespearean plays instead of i think in fives it was like after the uh, 10 curses or bible stuff <laughs> they have more interesting kills and vincent price uh said that theater of blood was actually his favorite of all of his movies he always wanted to do like a shakespeare production and so playing like a disgraced shakespearean actor was kind of like his jam he really enjoyed working on this movie that's great and i think he met his third wife carol brown i want to say is her last name i think they met on this movie when he was still married to his second wife (laughs) whoops uh, that's hollywood yeah Yeah, Theater of Blood, if you can find it, it's it's one of the more fun of the horror comedy roles. Like, you can tell he's having a good time. Cool. I'll have to check that one out. Yeah. My number three is The Tingler. I haven't been able to find a good copy of that. Is it good? I know it's a William Castle. I don't know if I necessarily want to call it good, but it's definitely, <laughs> like, one of those movies that I desperately wanted to see because it was so predominant in, like, film B-movie history. Because mm-hmm. this was the movie that had the shocker in the seats oh yeah when you saw it in the theater there was that scene when they say like if you feel it climbing up your spine it's trying to connect to you and whatever Mm -hmm. and that's when they have the the shockers in the seats so i was so enamored and engrossed with like the the whole which we're going to cover that when we talk about house on haunted hill as well that period of film where they brought so much like into the audience and made it more of a a visual experience there's a word for it emergo theater yeah we need to bring that back yeah absolutely i feel like emergo is 
what theater is lacking nowadays like i don't that's why i like d-box seats because like those d-box theaters they're great though like the, we saw that at battle angelita it had the lightning and the wind mm-hmm. and the seats moved and i was like that movie was great and i was like i know that movie wasn't good yeah like, the I know experience was but great. like yeah so the experience was great fast and the furious 8 we saw that at a d-box it was so good we saw uh guardians of the galaxy fast and the furious 8 ghost in the shell and battle angel alita oh, okay all in d-box seats so those are the four that we've seen i need to see if i can find that once it's no longer a plague town in las vegas i'll, I'll need to check that out yeah there's three i think there's two maybe three of them in vegas not 100 mm-hmm. but yeah so that was why I, I was so obsessed with the tingler was because i was really into that whole experience of like the theater being a whole thing mm-hmm. and uh the emergo theaters and i had to see this movie because i was just like i need to see it so uh like you said it was very hard to get mm-hmm. and there was a point in time in like the late 90s when it had a limited release on vhs oh. and that's when i got it was as a rental yeah. the only thing they did was i think there was like a part where they add red as color for like blood oh, or something like okay. that and it was like really weird or something like mm-hmm. that but uh i don't know how to call this a good movie i think vincent price is great in it it's such a strange film though this creature that like sticks to your spine mm-hmm. and like basically yeah. like messes with you mm-hmm. and what have you so it's an interesting idea and i always like body horror but i think uh this one is definitely due for a remake but i think it's one of his better roles and i think it's one of his better uh emergo type films because the parts when he's like quickly it's in the audience look out that part is great yeah like, he does that really well i think if they ever do bring back like actual emergo experiences where like you're saying like it was a limited run they should just remake the tingler and have that be like kind of a weird fun parallel <laughs> in the process yeah for sure that'd be great especially where they're so obsessed with 3d yeah like bring it all back bring it all back i'm sure house of wax will look better in today's 3d (laughs) oh what was it 13 ghosts the original this is off topic but 13 ghosts the original i really didn't like and you really had to have like the red blue 3d glasses to enjoy it and i was like man i can't i can't do it (laughs) the remake of that's really good though the best part in it is the guy who plays shaggy and that's my personal opinion if i have to deep dive deep into your ghost backstory to give a shit then maybe your movie isn't very good but the original isn't very good yeah Uh, but yeah that's the side thing of like sometimes theatrical bits don't work So what's your number four? Uh, number four was Last Man on Earth. <laughs> okay. Because uh, right. I, I do enjoy that. But since we've, we kind of said everything we wanted to say, um, I wanted to mention as like a, an extra number four, uh, The Song of Bernadette, which was 1943. Uh, I've mentioned it to you before. It is like a two and a half hour religious film. And t- uh, again, Vincent Price only shows up for maybe 10 to 15 minutes of runtime total. But if you ever look it up, he has a speech near the end of the film that like takes my breath away every time I hear it and it is all about like questioning how he's lived his life questioning his own faith as someone who is trying to basically gaslight Bernadette into thinking that she's crazy because it's all about Bernadette seeing thinking she saw the Virgin Mary on the beach somewhere it's a crazy movie um but it is really good and you could tell that Vincent Price like really gave a shit about delivering a stellar performance on it even though it is like a really long religious piece i was really surprised to see that he was in cecil b demille's the ten Commandments. yeah i haven't seen it yet but that's like one of the first prominent movies he's he's listed on is the ten commandments because i own that on laserdisc and i was like i stare at it every day and i'm like oh i didn't realize he was on that like specifically yeah that's so interesting so um, my number four is edward scissorhands yeah so. <laughs> 
<laughs> as you said we already went over that um that that movie you know tim burton really respects the classic horror mm-hmm. stuff that's a big part of his life and he it, he infuses as much classic horror stuff as he can into his movie he did a whole movie about ed wood yeah brought he brings as many predominant old actors from that time period he's like he, he, tim burton is for classic horror what quentin tarantino is for 70s exploitation oh you're completely right that's the best way to kind of put that together i mean each one of his films has plenty of homage and what have you and i I think that the fact that vincent price's last film was one of burton's first films Mm -hmm. that really like brought brought his career going i think it's really special and important in that regard and even though like you said his role is not huge in it he's so good yeah it's like you feel so bad for edward when he dies yeah he's like the he emotional anchor of the story he's what he's ex- he's so sweet yeah oh and he's so loving he, and and you're like oh when he like first like turns the corner in the lab and comes on screen he's like shuffling because because like in reality vincent price was only like a year or two out from dying that you're just like oh no <laughs> you're so old <laughs> The, the part with the hands when oh, he's gonna yeah. give him the hands and oh. then he falls over oh, apparently so vincent good. price did actually like overheat and pass out on set and tim burton kept the take and i'm not sure if that's the one he used in the movie <laughs> but i was like how shitty would you feel if this guy like went like above and beyond to get you in his movie and then like records you passing out and includes it in well the you movie. know <laughs> At least Vincent Price's last film was Edward Scissorhands, because Raul Julia's last film was, you know, Street Fighter. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> Whoops. But that's not how you want to see Gomez Adams go out. Yeah. <laughs> so, what is your number five? My number five is uh, Comedy of Terrors, which again is a 60s, it's a 1963 release. And uh, I know a lot of people kind of chalk it up to a spoof of Tales of Terror, of course, by the title scheme and the fact that Peter Laurie's in it. Um, but Peter Laurie plays a more prominent role. Him and Vincent Price are like bad buddies throughout the story. And it is, it's the only like horror comedy thing I've seen Vincent Price in that I genuinely thought was funny. Like Theater of Blood, I think is clever, but Comedy of Terrors is it makes me laugh with some of the stuff they pull. I couldn't find a resource backing this up, but apparently the hearse coach that Vincent Price and Peter Laurie are using near the beginning of the movie is the same stagecoach that now sits outside of Disneyland's Haunted Mansion. At least that was the oh. bold claim being made. <laughs> I think... I have heard that before. I do not think you're the only person I've heard that. Yeah, I haven't heard it for this one outside of Disneyland. I know the one in Disney World was supposed to be another movie prop used in a Western at one point. So I'm like, I I prefer them both being movie props (laughs) that have interesting backstories. I just couldn't find anything uh, confirming this one. My number five is the Abominable Dr. Fox. Hey! So we all, we technically had almost the exact same list because Dr. Fives and Theater Blood is basically the same thing. (laughs) A lot of ways, yeah. I have a different experience with Fives. It's more like, I grew up in Toronto Mm -hmm. and they used to, on um, City TV, which was like a local station, they would run this movie constantly. And And I would always catch it. So it was never like I saw it from start to finish. Mm -hmm. I always saw the whole movie in like chunks. Yeah. So I was always watching this movie and it was always like anytime it would come on, I'd watch it. And it's like, he's like, like he changes his face. Oh, yeah. 
Like he has like different faces and stuff. Like because he is, and he uses like makeup. Mm-hmm. So it's almost like a ripoff of like an old like Universal film. I can't think of what it is, but like you know what I yeah. mean. There's like another one that's similar to that where the guy has like a makeup kit and he changes his face all the time. It's definitely like just weird because his real face is hideous. Oh yeah. So he uses mm-hmm. all these makeups and, and makes himself. It's kind of like Clayface in a lot of ways. Like how he's always like changing and stuff. And everybody's always like fucking with women and all this kind of stuff like that. And it's not a typical price role that I would think of. It yeah. feels more like it should be like a, a Christopher Lee role mm-hmm. in all actuality. I mean, he's violent as hell in mm-hmm. it. And I think that Fibes has a lot of carry over to how he acts in House of Wax. Oh, yeah. Because I feel like the when he does villain stuff, uh, his villain stuff, he can go very dark with mm-hmm. it. And it's really cool. He's also really, really good in Pit and Pendulum. Yeah. Which I think I think Vincent Price's Poe stuff is some of his best work mm-hmm. overall. Like If you're interested in like Edgar Allan Poe movies mm-hmm. and like horror is something where they make like piles and piles and piles and like every 10 years they shit out a bunch of these movies because it's like staples you just kind of do it or whatever i think looking at people's catalogs of or vincent price is one of the best when it comes to the edgar Allan poe films Mm -hmm. i think his catalog of them if you're looking for like top tier start with him and then start looking at other eras and different actors and stuff because i think he really encompasses that while also bringing a certain level of charm and fun Mm -hmm. to it that a lot of people don't bring yeah and i think i think that helps poe yeah poe's so so he's so sad (laughs) he's so emo going back to dr five so really quick I really liked the little scenes he has with his assistant. Um, As far as I know, in the original script, he was supposed to be more abusive to her. And I, I'm really glad they didn't do that because it would have been harder to like get on get on his side when he's killing all these doctors for his wife dying. Yeah. Um, I still have no clue what the assistant's doing there. At least in Theodore Blood, his like random young lady assistant is his daughter, <laughs> but we really don't know what's going on with the girl in Doctor Fives. Yeah. But I really like their little cutaways. I love the oh god, uh, he like plugs it into his neck, but he basically speaks through a like recording machine and i thought that was really cool because uh i i can't remember which actor but someone was complaining that vincent didn't have to remember all of his lines but he's like but i do though because vincent bryce was very well known for like remembering everyone's lines not just his own so he he, kind of a humble brag on his part but did you know i had to look this up because it was driving me nuts while i was watching dr fives do you remember the jeweler in that movie the where they where the detective uh detective trout goes to get one of the hebrew emblems uh, looked at by a jeweler and the jeweler is actually Audrey Woods who sang the Candyman can song that was the candy shopkeeper in the Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory movie. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. So I thought that was kind of cool. Like the minute the jeweler was on screen, I was like, where do I know you? Why do I think you've seen, you, you've sung like a really cutesy song to me before? <laughs> Have you ever seen Darkman? No. The 80s, the the 80s, 90s, whatever. Mm -hmm. I think there's a lot of crossover with Fibes and Darkman. Oh, I should check it out. Where he's like got the special skin that he like can make different faces Mm -hmm. and he's out for revenge and all this kind of shit. But I think Darkman's supposed to be like a superhero, whereas Fibes is not so sympathetic, even though it's like he got fucked. He's also being a fuck. So it's like it's one of those kind of deals. Did you have anything else you wanted to add? I have the list of dishonorable mentions. (laughs) Should I go into my list of dishonorable mentions? There was only three. Go right ahead. (laughs) I sent you guys the audio file for it, but Vincent Price did cover the Monster Mash at one point. 
for the movie The Monster Club, which is a 1981 release. It is a really bad anthology. It is awful. Vincent Price is only in the framing device around it. And like, and it's, it's worse when it's an anthology and none of it's salvageable because you at least hope there's like one really well-made one that you can kind of like go, oh, right. well, at least I got to see that kind of short in the middle of like a bad movie. <laughs> but no, none of them were good. The best part is Vincent Price's speech uh, talking about the human nature and how humans will go out of their way to destroy other humans and stuff like that. Really great speech. And then it goes into his version of the Monster Mash. What's weird is that the one streaming version of this movie I've been able to find has the song completely cut out. They put in like a whole new original song. I'm not sure if it was a rights thing with whoever owns the Monster Mash, <laughs> but I was pissed because I was waiting the whole movie to hear his Monster Mash in context of the movie. <laughs> That's so funny. That sucks. Yeah. So that that's why it's top dishonorable mention. <laughs> <laughs> this one's kind of silly. If you ever, uh, I, I'm not sure how big on Rankin Bass stuff you are, but in Love it. 1971, they came out with Here Comes Peter Cottontail, where Vincent Price plays the villain. It seemed like they started out wanting an Easter movie and then halfway through went, oh, you know what? Oh, we don't cover a lot of other holidays, so let's just try to jam as many as we can in here as fast <laughs> as possible. And it that's all falls great. apart. I can't remember how it ends. I just remember it was like, tediously boring considering how Rankin Bass typically goes. Yeah, that was just a little side one. I wouldn't I wouldn't look that up for your Easter. <laughs> that's a shame because like that's a holiday that Rankin Bass is lacking content on anyway. Yeah. Well apparently they didn't have an idea for it because they had to just be like Fourth of July, uh anything else we can shove in here. <laughs> apparently they made a sequel but I didn't see that one. Oh and I can't remember his name. The guy who originally plays Shaggy plays Peter Cottontail opposite Vincent Price, who plays the main villain. Oh, the voice actor? Yeah. I can't remember his name, I can't though. think of his name, either. I know who you're talking about, Yeah. Though. I, I want to say it's that guy who was the, the DJ, wasn't it? Didn't he have, like, the top Casey... Uh, Casey something? I don't know. <laughs> I'm not sure. It was, like, Shaggy's original, like, 1960s voice actor, so I'm not entirely sure. But, last dishonorable mention before we wrap this up, Shock. I'm not sure if you've seen 1946 Shock, but it's bad. <laughs> it's, it, no. it's one of those where, like, like you were mentioning, even when a movie's bad, Vincent Price tends to be good in it. So, like, I don't have yeah. a lot to notes to say, a lot of things to say about his performance as like the main antagonist-ish guy. But it is revolving around a woman witnessing him murdering his wife, and then him and his mistress trying to cover it up by basically perpetually keeping her in a state of shock. And, and kind of like a nervous breakdown while she's stuck in the asylum that they work at. And it all heavily relies on female fragility of like, the minute she sees someone getting murdered, she goes catatonic. The minute she's surprised, she starts screaming and doesn't want to talk anymore. And like, it's a bunch of- She has hysteria. Yeah, she's, she has her vagina's climbing up her neck. Yeah. <laughs> she's a woman so she cannot handle the situation like it, it relies too heavily on that and i'm sure we'll talk about it with like house of wax and house on haunted hill too about how oh, these yes. movies treat female concern <laughs> um but in general shock like if that already irks you from those movies and those movies are good you will not like shocked because you, you can't root for anybody in it and the main character is so into staying in this like this weird state that you're just like come on can this movie end please <laughs> 
I know that films are time capsules, and therefore you respect them to an extent. Like, yeah. you just go, like, if this is a movie of the 80s, and it was by people from the 80s, and it's an 80s film, you just gotta accept the tropes, and the same goes with the old films, 50s and mm-hmm. 40s and all this kind of stuff. But, that being said, I do still struggle with, like, the way that they treat the women in these movies. Mm-hmm. Like, I keep going back to it. Like, Journey of the Center of the Earth, that woman was deplorably treated. Like, yeah. every five minutes in the movie, the, the main doctor guy is like, what's cause? You're a woman. <laughs> oh, that's just, your womanness is what's the problem. Your uterus you know? is like, ruining everything. All these he was like, dude, it's not because she's a fucking woman. Like, at this point, when there's five of you and you're journeying to the center of the earth and there are dinosaurs and crystals and like all this weird shit going on, mm-hmm. can you really still go? And because you're a woman, <laughs> like she's a person at this point. Yeah, she's in this too. Like you guys are going to die. You're all going to die. She's still an extra set of arms and legs. Mm-hmm. Like let her fucking do things. No, you can't deal with it because you're a woman. I'm like, shut the fuck up. Like Jesus Christ. And I get so tired of it because it's just like every time you watch stuff now, like from those time periods, it's always the same shit it's always like the women are like the, like like house on haunted hill mm-hmm. oh the whole time they're oh my fucking god hysteria. nora and like vince the whole discussion like with vincent price and the doctor like are you sure that she's not like hysterical and i'm just like, oh, <laughs> like well nora like, is like a weird extreme example of like giving into the hysteria because she's just right. screaming all of her lines like basically from the get the minute she gets scared she's just screaming for the rest of the runtime <laughs> I don't know, like, I, I know, like, and that's, like, like Rachel's favorite show is Mad Men. Yeah, that is a very, because you're a woman thing. And, and, like, yeah, and, like, I know what kind of, like, person Rachel is. Like, she's very feminist and, like, very, like, for people's rights. And I'm like, how can you watch this show? Because, like, personally, like, it's a beautiful show to look at. It's very well shot, all that kind of stuff. And it's very, like, accurate for the time period. Mm-hmm. But because it's so accurate for the time period, I also struggle with, like, eight seasons of watching men walk around and treat women like shit. Yeah. I'm like, I don't want to watch this. Like, I just don't want to. I think I got to. maybe I a few seasons, a few episodes into season one and stopped because I was also like, I don't see, I, I don't see what I get out of, like, kind of adapting to this environment that they're trying to sell to me. <laughs> I, I don't see the story I'm getting. I get what Rachel gets out of it. Mm-hmm. And I see, like, that the characters that are female in the show, they do have growth and development from the time period. But I still, I, I get, I tire of watching women struggle in film. Mm-hmm. That being a focus of, of, like, things. And it's like, I'm just kind of like, can we just, like, that's why I keep going back to the movie Underwater. Mm-hmm. Kristen Stewart's character in Underwater was basically a male character that they had a female play. Yeah. So there was no there was no attachment of motherhood. There was no attachments of any female tropes. She was just uh, a badass and, you know, blew up the base at the end of the movie. And you're just like, dude, like, she is what I want from my female protagonist. I just want to have a strong female character that doesn't have any sort of connections to any whatever that are just people. Because at the end of the day, we're all just people. And I know, you know, your sex can be sort of, but I don't think that's always the story. Like, yeah. I think, like, when the story is about survival, I think it's about survival and that goes out the window. Like, that's when it becomes an everybody story. Mm-hmm. We kind of got off track a we little bit. We got off track, but, this, it is, but uh, it's something i imagine again we'll revisit because i do have a lot of words for the original house of wax and how they treated the lead lady in that in particular so i'm sure we'll get back on that subject but that is the end of my uh dishonorable mention list three movies i would never suggest to someone if they were trying to watch a vincent price movie i would recommend outside of his filmography if you ever want to see vincent price be a true badass the muppets yeah 
when he's on the Muppets. He's so good on the Muppets. Like his hit, and I think he's on it like twice. Like I think he's got more than one appearance. I'm not sure. I'm not sure if he did. That's something worth seeing. Yeah. Especially the part when he's with Kermit the Frog and he pulls out the. Fire. Oh yeah, I have a magnet that is that scene now of him and Kermit both having fangs. Yeah. Um. Apparently, Vincent Price was also the one that convinced Alice Cooper to do his episode of the Muppets. Um, originally he wasn't oh, going to awesome. do it, but I didn't know him and Alice Cooper were friends until very recently. And I think that's very cool. <laughs> that's, that's great. That's, that's interesting. And then, uh, was it, was it Lee was the one that was in a metal band? Yeah. Too? Lee was the one Lee? who had uh, death metal albums and, uh, yeah, that's great. <laughs> yeah. I don't have any more Vincent Price factoids, but bringing up Christopher Lee always uh, reminds me of this story. I'm not sure if I've told you. Uh, Peter S. Beagle, start out with that, the guy who wrote The Last Unicorn and worked heavily on the movie. Him and Christopher Lee were also very close when he came in to work on King Haggard, and he had, like, his copy of Last Unicorn was all marked and highlighted, and, like, he was like, if you get rid of these things, I don't want to be in your movie. And, and, <laughs> and Peter S. Beagle was like, I'm not getting rid of anything, so welcome. One time. That's great. Yeah, it's pretty great. One time during production, Peter S. Beagle and a co-producer, I want to say, on the movie ended up visiting a shutdown concentration camp. I can't remember the name of the camp, but it was somewhere close to where the studio was that they like ended up on the wrong train and ended up going over there. And they walked around for a bit and Peter Spiegel describes like seeing the empty crematoriums and like being able to like smell all of the decay and all like the the like embedded grossness about this concentration camp that him and the co-producer got bummed out and left and go went back to the hotel. Christopher Lee ended up meeting them in the lobby. He took one look at them and went, you went to that concentration camp, didn't you? <laughs> And they were like, yeah. And he was like, it still smells, doesn't it? And you're like, oh, oh, that's right. Like, Christopher Lee was a Nazi hunter for a certain amount of time. Oh. That's great. Yeah. Uh, I also like the the factoid that he threatened to come back from the dead if Last Unicorn was ever remade. Because he's like, I really want to keep playing King Haggard because it's the closest I'll get to playing Lear. And I was like, oh. That's great. So now we need to approve the Last Unicorn remake so Christopher Lee will come back from the dead. Well, someone can do that anyway with CG. No, we're ignoring that. I, I'm still very upset <laughs> that about Peter Cushing being like a weird computer automaton for Rogue One. What? No, he's not dead. He's he's in Star Wars. No. he's permanently there now. No, just hire another old guy. I promise. There's so many of them. <laughs> and with that, we're gonna go ahead and end on that note. I am your host, Alex Marina. This has been a blast. I've really enjoyed doing the bonus episode with yeah. you, and uh, I like hearing you talk about your horror history facts yeah. it's really cool so you've been a good addition this uh this month thank you we will be back for house of wax house of is, wax yep house of wax and then of course our fourth episode where you will regale us with more facts about vincent Price oh i will talk you guys' ears off <laughs> you got a It'll storm coming <laughs> all right guys as always stay classy and have yourselves a wonderful day i'll talk to you later bye, bye. Thank you guys so much for listening to our show. Feel free to go back and listen to all of season one. Go ahead and take some time with us, get to know us, spend a little bit more time with some of our older works. You can listen to those on Anchor. You can listen to those on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and other podcast listening platforms. Yeah, hit us up on social media, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. That's at 3Demers. That's the number three, Demers. Come say hi and feel free to tell us what you like. Tell us what you don't like. All rants are welcomed. And if you don't want to engage with us online, want to keep things a little personal, you want to get a little deep with us, a little uh, down to earth, go ahead and hit us up on 
email. That's 3dmers at gmail.com. You can go ahead and stop by and drop us a line anytime you want. Say hi. 3dmers podcast. This smash was meant to. When you get to my door, tell them Vincent sent you. Now you can monster mash. It was a graveyard smash. It caught on in a flash. Now you can monster.